Giles Beckford is here with RNZ Business. Kia ora, Giles. And uh, a lift in consumer sentiment. Kia ora to you, Max. Yes, a rebound off record lows, but still pretty pessimistic. The ANZ Roy Morgan January survey shows sentiment rose nine points off December sitting at 83.4, which is still anything below 100, it's still negative. Respondents said they're slightly better off financially than they were in December, but more than a quarter think it's a bad time to buy a major household item. ANZ's chief economist, Sharon Zollner, says many are hoping their financial pressures will ease over the coming year. The biggest bounce is in the question about how people think their own personal financial situations will be 12 months from now. Still, yeah, not high, but a marked lift. And perhaps that's related to the fact that we've seen uh, some falls in mortgage rates. So that relentless one-way traffic in mortgage rates has given way more nuance. Perhaps that's making people feel a little bit better. Maybe that the softening labour market will see a closer match between con- consumer spending intentions and the actual spending behaviour. Quite often the two are wide apart. One major retailer is managing to negotiate the various travails is the Briscoe Group. It's uh, put out a statement this morning saying it expects a record full-year profit on the back of higher sales, but it is preparing for tougher times. Well, signs have emerged of softening in consumer spending and business investment in another couple of releases of data this morning. The payment network Worldline says core retail sales for January were down just under 1% on the year before amid economic gloom and bad weather. Its local chief sales officer, Bruce Profit, says some regions have fared far worse than others. Certainly some really big impacts in Auckland, Northland and Gisborne. Um, on the specific days where the storms hit, drops of up to 20% year on year, but we have seen some really strong growth in the West Coast, Otago and Southland, probably linked to the good weather down there. Bruce Prophet says consumers are showing signs of restraint in their spending. Meanwhile, business borrowing is also weaker. Credit researcher Equifax's fourth quarter index on credit demand down 1.7% on a year ago. Construction, rental hiring and real estate sectors saw the biggest drop in demand. But there was a lift from agriculture, accommodation, food services and retailers. Equifax uh, New Zealand Managing Director Angus Luffman says demand for trade credit is higher. Generally, business credit demand is a lead indicator. So when uh, people make applications for credit or businesses make applications for credit, that's about future credit activity. So a decline, even though this is a small one, is still reflecting a softer environment for overall business credit demand. Angus Luffman says there's no evidence of market-wide credit arrears. Any significant growth in the use of modular kitset houses, which are popular overseas, is likely to be decades away in this country. A Westpac report on residential building says builders should invest in digital technology to improve their productivity, despite an anticipated downturn in demand. Industry economist Paul Clark says the industry will need to ensure it remains in a viable state. It's a boom-bust industry. So they've got to obviously keep an eye on the finances. In fact, all businesses should be doing that anyway. But they should also, in addition, basically be taking this longer-term view and saying how do they actually position themselves? How do they make their operations more efficient? Ideally, that would be through industrialization. That's not possible in the New Zealand context. So some form of industrialization light is, and I think that industry players should be pursuing that. Paul Clark says New Zealand lacks the big investment required to fully adopt advances in building technologies such as modular housing.
Oil company Shell has more than doubled its profits to 40 billion US dollars as it's reaped the benefits of the surge in energy prices because of the Ukraine war. It's also announced an increase in dividends and a share buyback. In total, it's returned $26 billion to its investors in the past year. Well, it's paid a relatively small amount in windfall taxes, particularly in the UK, which have been aimed at stopping the company from profiteering from abnormally high prices. Here's an, uh, energy analyst Carol Nackler. It saw record prices last year, particularly for natural gas. And, and Shell, in particular, has a very lucrative liquefied natural gas business, and that has driven the profit. But the irony is that only a few years ago, many people were writing off the oil company, saying the oil industry is over. But we are seeing today our record prices driven by high pri- record profits driven by high prices because of the crisis. Earlier in the week, U.S. oil giant ExxonMobil reported an annual profit of $56 billion. Meanwhile, an activist group, Global Witnesses, complained to U.S. financial regulators that Shell's been greenwashing by inflating and misrepresenting the amount it supposedly spends on renewable energy. The company's reported spending 12% of its capital expenditure on renewable energy, but the chief executive of Global Witness, Mike Davis, says the real amount is much lower. Our analysis shows that only 1.5% was spent on what you might call bona fide renewables like wind and solar. Um, And much of the rest was spent on gas. Um, For instance, yep, the the marketing, um, power produced through gas. And it's worth bearing in mind that Shell are a company which historically has had big problems telling the truth. Um, Global was exposed in a few years ago for misleading the public about their role in a massive corruption scandal in Nigeria. Mike Davis says the US regulator has a duty to protect the interests of investors from the greenwashing, which, if proven, could leave Shell open to large fines. Let's have a look at the way markets are performing with Andrew Cassie of Craig's Investment Partners. Kira to you. Andrew, what's it looking like locally? Kira Giles. Well, fairly muted. The NZX 50 is up 19 points. Some of those more growth-orientated companies are having a better day after the Fed's comments about a disinflationary environment we're now supposedly in. Look, A2 milk's down one cent at 7.49. Air New Zealand's up one and a quarter percent at 79 cents. Chorus up half a percent at eight dollars forty-eight and a half. EBOS up. 65 cents at 43.40. Fletcher's having a better day, up, trading up 3 cents at $8.98. Main Freight up over 2% at $72.07. Porter Tower are unchanged at 6.36. And Ryman up 7 cents at 6.84. Time for just a headline in Australia and then the currency, please. Yeah, look, in Australia, their index, the ASX 200, is down 8 points. Uh, banks are a bit stronger. Growth companies like CSL and Zero are up quite strongly, and resource stocks are weaker. Looking at the exchange rate, it's uh, been fluctuating. It's slightly stronger. We're currently buying US dollars 6.6476 against Australia, 0.9153 against sterling, 0.5296 against the euro, 0.5936, and against the yen, 83.35. Which leaves us interest rates, oil and gas. Interest rates are slightly weaker. 90-day bank bills 4.895%. 10-year interest rates are 4.172. Brent crude slightly weaker at $82.10 US a barrel. And gold is trading at 1912 US dollars an ounce. 
Thank you very much. That's Andrew Cathy of Craig's Investment Partners. One other item of business news this lunch hour, a report on the proposed $1.5 billion takeover of the online donations company Pushpay. says the $1.34 uh, share offer is within a broad valuation range. The Grant Samuel report assesses fair value at between $1.33 and $1.53 a share. Also includes a premium for control of Pushpay. Remembering two of Pushpay's major shareholders, BGH and Sixth Street, have lodged the bid. A shareholder vote will be held on March the 3rd. News and numbers updated for you at around half past five in Checkpoint. But for now, Max, that's business.